0: Smith, Bud Elliott back again for another episode of the NOLCast. Uh, Bud, we have a game that wasn't played to look back on, a response to a game that wasn't played to look back on, and uh, we will not be lacking for content tonight. So as always, we'll thank our title sponsor, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. They bring everything that we do or they make everything that we do possible and bring all of our podcasts to you. So a tip of the hat to them, a big thank you. And with that, we jump headfirst into all of the drama of college football that has suddenly reared its head. And, uh, it's been quite humorous at times, even. Man, this has been, this is wild.
1: I, I, uh, first of all, congratulate you on, on getting this canceled. I, I, this was an unorthodox route that you took to, to be able to, to get it canceled in, in the fashion that you did. But still, uh, you, you, said it, it should happen and, and you went out and you made it happen. Dabo's comments, I do want to start. Everybody here is going to act in in their own self interest, right? Mike Norvell is going to going to side with, with with the side of his doctors, and uh, the doctors are going to make the decision that they feel is appropriate for Florida State. I certainly think FSU made the right decision based on what they know, and also considering the risk factors. FSU has very little little scholarship guys right now compared to normal, and if they lost a couple more, then you might lose the opportunity to play your final two games of the season, which is certainly not something anybody wants. I mean, COVID right now is uh, spiking in the U.S. more than it has at any point so far in in the pandemic. Got to to be conscious of these things. It it does seem true that Clemson ultimately practiced with the guy who had COVID. Now, they said he did not practice when he was symptomatic. I think I probably believe that. And he tested negative and was not symptomatic when he returned to practice. But we know the incubation period for you to test positive on this thing is 2 to 14 days. So he was symptomatic, then he tested negative, and then he pops positive on, what, Friday? The obvious implication for anybody that has even watched like an hour of the news in the last year is that this kid was most likely around his teammates and practicing with them while he had COVID. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Certainly, like FSU did not travel, guys. It specifically held them back when they were symptomatic or tested positive. Pitt similarly also did not travel, guys, like that. Clemson. Now, granted, like the, the time of the test, it just seems like this is kind of a new frontier that somebody's going to pop positive on, you know, so late in the week after having two negatives. And I can understand why Davo is mad here. I I, I think Davo is just kind of playing to his base, uh, some of which is you know may not believe in covid uh you know, but ultimately everybody's going to act in their own self-interest I, I think dabo comes comes out of this looking a little bit foolish uh i think the acc should have made some uh probably a more a strong more uh, more stronger a, 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 a stronger statement on this than they did with john swafford kind of by implication ultimately backing mike norvell tonight in in his statements uh, to Andrew Adelson of ESPN, and now you got. Uh, I mean, Nor- Norvell, I thought made some pretty pretty solid points today in his press conference when he talked about like I'm I'm not a doctor, even though some coaches w- want to act like one. <laughs> like that's that's in pretty good shade. He he came out looking more like the the professional, like like, like the adult here. Uh, Dabo tonight doubled down with comments. By the way, Dabo asked about Norvell's comments. It's an insult to the credibility of our program. We didn't travel anybody with symptoms. Are you kidding me? I'm not trying to be a doctor. I just listen to the doctors. Their coach can say whatever he wants to say. Uh, Davos uh, continues, said Clemson had zero positive yesterday. Also said it takes, pers- uh, personally, takes it personally that their coach assumes Clemson isn't following protocol and he's going to tell the truth and stick up with his program slash players. And quote. If people have problems with that, then too bad. Norvell uh, said that he would offer to pitch in, by the way, to uh, have Clemson travel back down and play on, on the 12th. Look, I don't know that Clemson did break any protocol here. That's the thing. I think Clemson can accurately say it did not break protocol, which might kind of indicate that the ACC protocol has some issues. And Clemson could have followed the protocol and still just had a circumstance, which is a bad circumstance, to maybe no fault of their own, maybe a fault of their own, who knows. And FSU's justified in saying, yeah, we're not we're not going to risk that. Because clearly you practiced this guy this week when he had COVID, even though you didn't know he had COVID because he, he popped
0: negative before he popped positive. I mean, I have to point out that it's rich as hell to talk about insulting the credibility of a program when you've gone out of your way three different times to basically insinuate that the other program chose not to play uh, because they were scared of of you know the outcome on the field. So. That's rich. Uh, that's and They're rich. already
1: getting their butts kicked every week.
0: Everybody knew what like the outcome cares? of that game was going to be, and it's been fun for me to joke about for as long as it has been. But you know, and Florida State certainly was in, had plenty of incentive to get that game in from a a financial perspective, and you know, there's just so many Saturday game days that are out there, and even with the uh, reduced attendance and everything else, that's a chance of revenue, and we're talking about a school that's desperate for any chance of revenue. Uh, that it could get. So um, Dabo is going to be Dabo. Doesn't surprise me necessarily that he's uh, continuing to double down. Uh, I, you know, I realized the ACC is the ACC. Some of Dabo's comments last night were out of line, in my opinion, like to, to say that if large state had uh, concerns with COVID, then maybe they shouldn't have played football this year. Absurd, absurd. And probably should have heard from, from Greensboro for that. It's probably not going to happen. Dabo uh, certainly sits on the throne of his own kind of fiefdom there in the upstate of South Carolina. I thought you were going to say sits on a throne of lies. Sits on own throne of lies. Uh, so, you know, you do get the feeling that at some point Dabo is probably going to have an Icarus moment or, or, you know, really be his own worst enemy. Um, I don't think it'll happen necessarily with this, but um, we'll just have to have to see what happens. I, the only thing that is different than the, "Quote unquote instant reaction podcast that I recorded last night. I do think there's a little bit more of a chance than that game gets played than I framed it, you know. But I think you may have a better ideas to the exact sequence of events here. But uh, I don't know that Clemson has to play it yet. I do think that if anything else were to occur, that Clemson, you know, Clemson's going to fly everybody down here private if need be uh, to get the game in because it may impact, uh, you know, their own postseason perspective. So uh, just something to have in mind. Obviously, Dabo would rather have a bye weekend on the 12th rather than have to play a team, certainly rather than have to travel and play a team. Um, I have had some friends who've worked for conferences in the past who were under the impression that <laughs> Dabo was leaning on the league pretty hard to try to get that deemed to forfeit. That's not going to happen at this point in time. Um, so maybe there is a little bit more of a chance that that get, gets played than than as I framed it on Saturday night. So did you see uh, the, the the report by uh,
1: Out of Bounds, the, the the college athletics newsletter that showed uh, that there were basically two drafts of the ACC's release? The first one said it had been rescheduled, and the second one said that it had been canceled or postponed or whatever. Uh, it, the, the implication being that Clemson leaned on the ACC to try to get them to, uh, to, to say that it had been canceled. There's this theory going on out there that Clemson has to play this game if it wants to go to the ACC title game. Otherwise, Miami would go. Uh, but I, I actually I looked into this today because I, I thought about writing about it uh, for an article, and I just I don't think there's an article there necessarily. Um, it, it's a little bit less less sexy than, than people think of this. So here's the thing: if Miami were to win out in all of its games, right? First of all, it'd have to play all three remaining games, and Miami has no more room to make up games. So, like, it's you know, it's basically done. If Miami played all of its remaining games, one out, then it would have ten wins, or excuse me, it would have ten ACC games, right? I mean, real, just, just so I make sure I, I have this exactly right, because I, I exited it out once I realized that there really wasn't something there. Um, December nineteenth is the date of the AC title game. By the way, correct? Yes. Yeah. So obviously, if Miami wins out, um, you know they're they're playing Georgia Tech. Uh, well, they were going to play Georgia Tech this weekend, but they, they they're they're off this weekend. Or excuse me. They were going to play Georgia Tech last weekend, but they're they're off this weekend. They have three games in the first three weeks of December. If Miami were to win out against Wake, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. They would be nine and one in the ACC. Now the thing is, they would probably never play that Georgia Tech game anyway, because of the fact that that if if the situation I'm about to describe comes to the pass, they would be in the ACC title game in theory. But the ACC rules, so we're look, I'm looking at tiebreakers. If Clemson wins out but doesn't play the FSU game, and Miami wins out, like what, what would happen? There's no doubt that Clemson would go. Where this gets tricky is if Pitt, which has had a lot of COVID cases, if Pitt had to reschedule or cancel on Clemson, then and and Clemson did not want to play the game against Florida State because they want to have that bye week before the AC title game, then Clemson would only have eight league games. And this is where it gets kind of tricky. So I'm going to read to you the, the, the tiebreaker that I'm going to give you my analysis on. It. Here's a tiebreaker. For any team to be eligible for the AC football championship game, uh or to be considered in a tiebreaker, such a team must have played within one total conference game of the average number of conference games played by all conference teams rounding up or down at 0.5 during the 2020 season. For example, if the average number of conference games played in the 2020 season is 9.25, it would round down to nine. A team would be eligible to participate in the ACC football championship game or be considered in a tiebreaker if that team played eight or more conference games. So here's the deal. What is the number of ACC games being played per team on average this year, you might ask, because that's important to this calculation. Right now, I'm projecting it at 9.73. If we get two more cancellations in the next four weeks, it drops below 9.5, which means that the average number of games played in the ACC would be considered nine because of the round down. And thus Clemson would still go because it would have played eight games. Now, here's the second part. Yes, Miami's winning percentage would be higher. However, here's the, the, here's the, the important caveat. Quote In the event that there is an unequal total number of conference games played among teams tied in the loss column, head-to-head, head to head results will take precedence or precedence over winning percentage. If you recall, Clemson beat the hell out of Miami. It's very clear that Clemson does not want to play this game in Tallahassee because they want to get their bye week. I think Florida State wants to play this game because they want to get they they want to get their revenue. However, I do want to dispute the notion that Clemson is likely going to have to play this game in order to make the conference title game, like like they're gonna to need to like they need it to be eligible. Now, obviously they can't take a forfeit. So if FSU wants to play and, and there's room on the schedule, they they need to get their ass down to Tallahassee. And play the game with Mike Morvell, maybe help cutting him a check to to get him down there, which is silly because there's their own guy who had COVID. Um, which I mean all teams have some COVID stuff this year. I think it's kind of the blame game there on that is is dumb. Uh for people blaming Clemson, but also for Dabo, you know, blaming Florida State for his own guys having Clemson. Um, or having COVID, not Clemson, excuse me. But yeah, I just I looked in this. If we get one cancellation this weekend, it wouldn't surprise me if the league determines that the game is not uh not required, you know, not, not essential. And, and just, just nixes it. Who knows, man, this, this will be interesting. We'll, we'll see. Is there any other reason why Dabo is doing this? You think other than just like, he doesn't want to have to play a game. He wants to bye a week instead.
0: I, I mean, I don't know exactly. I mean, I think part of it is a, a power thing. i mean, I, I think Dabo doesn't like when things <laughs> don't go his way. And at this point he's gotten pretty used to him doing, doing that. And I think, uh, I certainly think that all efforts were were made to try to get Florida State to play a game. Uh, But I I don't know. I don't have any kind of other broader idea. Do you have something in the back of your mind?
1: No, I I just, man, he makes a lot of comments, dude. I I don't know. I'm I'm just just
0: curious as to how, like, eventually. Well, he makes a lot of comments and I'm not trying to, but he makes a lot of comments and Dabo's not nearly as bright as he thinks he is. He's going to end up putting his foot in a, in a trap that he's not going to be able to get out of. So, uh, for his own, you know, for his own best interest, he would be wise to, uh, maybe not necessarily shift it into fifth and sixth gear when he gets worked up like this, but that's who Dabo is. And that's not going to change. And, uh, you know, I would expect him to only continue to, uh, speak on matters that, you know, college football coaches probably need to let float on down the river, but. So I I had a comment from somebody that worked in college sports
1: today, not a Florida state guy, but he knows it. He knows that He knows Cassie And he said, laughing my ass off at how, how Dabo's being such a dumb uh, person has handed Mike Norvell the opportunity to be the good guy for the first time all year. And I, I laughed at that obviously because Norvell had all the struggles <laughs> over the summer with the, you know, with relationships with his players. And then he was one of the first power five coaches to get COVID all that stuff. Um, and so, you know, it, we talked about it and, and, uh, he said, even if you don't care about the total lack of perspective, he's going to get crushed for this and look stupid. And I said, but crushed among national media or crushed by decision makers and the people he actually has to answer to in the Clemson fan base? And then my buddy said, good point. His feedback loop really won't care. Uh, but he hands Norbell an easy reputation bump, though, all the same, if you're looking for a non-FSU perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, certainly I mean, I think it, it gives Norvell a, a chance to pick up an easy PR win, which uh, you know, is not going to is not going to make two and six feel any better if you're a, a Florida state fan right now, but uh, you know, good for him to be able to appear as the adult in the room and um, you know, Dabo's going to Dabo. Uh, it is interesting. You know, what you said, I do think that as long as there's any chance that this game um, has meaning that you know this pr battle may simmer down some but it's not over uh and and i do find it somewhat interesting in the way that florida state's handled that it's you know reiterated the need for a a real athletic director in my opinion you know you need somebody to uh to not necessarily be your head coach who's kind of fine trying to fight your battles in the media um but that's nothing new and you know something that's been the case for a while but you know we'll we'll see uh, i think if you're concerned with PR narrative, everything else, then maybe that's something you care about. If not, then, you know, maybe this was a, uh, a funny little occurrence on a, on a Saturday and it's a loss that Florida state didn't otherwise have to take that. We all expected.
1: You want to go, uh, where do you want to go here? Recruiting. You want to go some, some questions. Um, we've got a lot of different stuff tonight.
0: FSU did make a new, a new linebacker offer. Yeah. Let's jump into recruiting. I know we've got, uh, an idea kind of as to what's left on the board there. We get a official decommitment that you and I've uh, been pretty upfront and, and blunt about that, uh, no official need, decommitment need be made, but, uh, for formality's sake, we will touch on that. Um, yeah, let's, let's jump into recruiting here now that we kind of put a bow on the, uh, the Clemson issue for now. So, uh, by the way, uh, At
1: no point today, I just want to clarify one thing. At no point did Norvell say Clemson didn't follow protocols and FSU standards was clearly different, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, So yeah, I thought that was uh, thought that was pretty solid um, to to clarify there. FSU makes a new offer tonight out of uh, out of Lake City, Columbia, where obviously a a former uh, FSU star coaches in Brian Allen, Coach Allen, and they offer linebacker uh, Cheyenne Brown. Uh, they also offered his teammate, Marcus Peterson, who is a 2022 player. Uh, I reached out to Cheyenne Brown, and uh, he said he doesn't have it doesn't have a top three yet. I know he has an old Miss offer, uh, a couple kind of AAC and Sunbelt offers. Uh, not a huge player, but somebody looks looks uh, fairly athletic on film. Um, you mentioned DeQuavion Fuller with his, uh, I guess, decommit. He, I don't know that he was ever truly committed to you know, this staff, uh, really, and as we had noted before, it was a little bit obvious that something was going on because he had not put Florida state in any of like, he was not included in like the happy birthday or, you know, those type of like group graphics that FSU she was sending out to their guys to post, uh, like when, when, you know, Burrell or, or, or those guys would post graphics, uh, Fuller wasn't in the graphic, but all the other kids listed on the commit list were. So that was a little bit, a little strange. Uh, in looking at their roster and, and their offering process right now, I think FSU does want to take one more high school linebacker uh, as long as he has the requisite athleticism to, to help them. Uh, and so that, that's that's where I expect them to go. But there's a lot of these positions, man, where they may not want to take another high schooler. Uh, they, they, they may want to go transfer. I, I think that's that's certainly possible. I'll go ahead and get into this if, if you want me to here. This recruiting update, of course, brought to you by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN. Find out why more than 110 NOLCAST listeners have got their home loan or refi. Through the legendary team, awesome work. Shannon and Chad are the best in the business. 844-FSU-LOAN. You won't be sorry. Give them a call. Maybe get a little, little Noel chat as well out of it, although no, no loss to, uh, to commiserate over this weekend because of the cancellation. All right, uh, so at quarterback, we've already talked about this, I believe, from the last time. Luke Altmaier, who, uh, there's been some crystal balls for, uh, for him to go to Ole Miss. He's a Mississippi kid. I think the relationship with the staff uh, is one that is meaningful and long-term. It doesn't mean that FSU is going to keep him, but I also don't think this is the same as the Sam Howell situation because there's nobody on this staff actively pushing uh, him not to sign with Florida State, like I, I think there probably was uh, with Howell towards the very end there. Uh, running back, they, they do want to take a high school running back in this class if it's you know, one of the one of the two or three guys who they really like. Travian Hargrove, certainly at the top of that board. Kid out of Louisiana who unfortunately got hurt this year, but uh, was somebody that we found at 24-7 and really, really liked. At receiver, I, I do think they want to take one more high school receiver. Uh, if if it's you know if it's somebody that is a difference maker type, uh, we, we've we've already seen them offer the transfer out of Dartmouth, the uh, kind of a route runner type guy, not a tremendous athlete, uh, but they they're still in on on Destin Hill, uh, formerly Destin Pizan. I, I don't know that they're going to get him, but I, I it's it's possible. That they do. That, that's a Coach Yak relationship thing. Ultimately, I, I if I had to guess, I would think that he'll end up at a school that is different. Um, you know, a school that's doing a little bit better, but they're, they're kind of banking on the relationships and, and knowing the kid and being on the kid for a long time. Uh, if not him, we spoke about the Kentucky commit, who uh, Magwood, who they think that they will have a shot to flip. Tight end, I fully believe that they are done at this position. Uh, for for this cycle, as far as the high school level goes, offensive line, they don't really want to take anybody else on the interior. They would like to take one high school tackle if they can get one who they feel is a legitimate upside guy. Otherwise, I think they are probably done at that position. Uh, defensive line, they'll take—I mean, anybody who's an impact guy. And uh, and uh, I'm saying this a lot, but like they're. They do seem pretty committed to not trying to add more depth-type pieces to this class. Um, so, And that's, I think, part, just not wanting to do uh, something that results in you being uh, making a four-year mistake on a kid. Uh, so maybe Tywo Malone, if they can get him. I don't think Tywin Malone is super realistic, but it, it's certainly possible. I know he has a strong bond with FSU's baseball staff, and they, they've done a really good job recruiting him as well. Uh, defensive back, or linebacker already went over. I do think they want to take one more there. And defensive back, uh, I think they're pretty much done And unless Omarion Cooper is serious about not signing early and then ends up you know, going elsewhere. But I, I I don't expect that he will at this point. In fact, it wouldn't shock me if he did end up signing early. The, the official visit process is not going to open up. We're going to be in the dead period through April. And that's that's just kind of Kind of your Florida state quickie recruiting up, update there, if you will. Uh the class is really nothing special right now, uh, certainly. And they're just kind of in a holding pattern. They've not had an opportunity to get out and meet kids, evaluate kids, and and let kids know who they are. Um they do have the number one recruiting class among uh among teams with
0: a a new head coach. So I was interested in. I was curious where the qualifier was that you were uh going to pull there, but yeah, that's uh, that is good to hear. I'm looking down, it's uh, they're 28th right now, they're seven spots
1: ahead of Boston College, which has 24 commits, so um, uh, you know, not really app- apples to apples there. Uh, Baylor has 42, they've at number 42, they have 16 commits. Um, you know, Old Miss not doing very well so far. Um, there, there's not much success Michigan State 41st so if you have a new head coach this year uh, it's it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to recruit well below your historical average um, i actually might write on this for this week a little brainstorm session on the cast, but uh, that i just i'm looking at these old miss 52nd i'll take a look at all the power 5 teams and how they're doing but my guess is that your your power 5 teams with new head coaches this year who were not internal promotions are, are going to be struggling mightily compared to their historical averages.
0: Yeah. That'd be interesting to to look at, get a better perspective as to kind of how the rest of the field's doing. Um, I will just say, you know, real quickly, if we're going to be critical of a, a staff or, or have concerns, maybe than critical as to their, their ties to the state of Florida. And if you're going to offer a late, you know, if you're going to throw a late offer out to a school, let it be something like Lake city, Columbia or something like that. The probably the kids tape looks nice, but you know, we've documented Lake city's uh, high school at Dernigan or Dernigan, Dernigan, (laughs) Dernigan, uh, old Timmy J, uh, Kendall Pope, Brian Allen, um, Jerome Carter, just so many good players who have had, uh, uh, have come through Tallahassee. And that's a, a place that's not all that far away. And it would not be the, uh, you know, the worst of schools to to reestablish a relationship with. So um, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on the uh, Shaheen Brown kid. And uh, good to hear that there's a, a teammate involved in the future as well.
1: Absolutely there.
0: So, yeah, uh, FSU
1: right now, they, they don't have many don't, don't kids in their, in their class. And, and I mean, 15 commits, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they only end up with like 17 or 18 kids and, and end up taking like nine transfers.
0: From a broader perspective, do you do you see more kids than normal in your opinion signing early this year, just because the lack of options that are out there? Do you think they've had you know more time to sit and think, uh, or do you think there's maybe more kids that, that hold off? Obviously, with the idea that it's kicked to April, you're not necessarily gonna you know you're not necessarily garnering all that more opportunity. But um, how do you see this playing out in kind of the final final couple weeks here of the early signing day?
1: So it'll be interesting because I, I think that we are going to see fewer kids sign early this year. Okay. Um, now that's nationally because you have some States that are still not playing football, right? I mean, California, Arizona, North Carolina, uh, I believe Virginia is not playing yet. I mean, they're not playing until, until the spring. So given that, I mean, that, that's a fairly big deal. Like some of these schools are not going to want to take a bunch of kids early they're gonna want to wait and and watch watch what happens so what do you think
0: uh yeah i don't know that i necessarily have anything else from me um you know from a recruiting standpoint um it'd just be it'd just be fascinating to see man once the staff really gets to jump out there jump headfirst into it like uh like we all saw that they were trying to do with the you know the meeting of these coaches and I just want to see how the staff truly performs when it, when I feel like we have a decent chance to evaluate it and recruiters are going to recruit. And I certainly understand if there's some out in the, the fan base who have been, you know, less than blown away, but I, I can't judge anybody who's a recruiter at this standpoint. Uh, I just don't think it's, it's fair when, uh, particularly when you, and I know we're rehashing old stuff, but you didn't, you didn't go hire a guy from Georgia or Alabama or or Clemson or something like that. You hired a guy from Memphis. There's not a whole lot of, you know, Venn diagrams out there uh, between existing knowledge of Mike Norvell and Mike Norvell, the Florida state head coach. So um, hopefully things, you know, obviously hopefully things get cleared up for reasons that are a hell of a lot more important than, than college football recruiting. But I am eager to see, you know, what this staff can really do uh, as it, as it tries to, you know, get the program off the ground and and have that real first class that they can you know put their stamp on and not be impacted by external factors otherwise. So I think that's very fair.
1: Uh, Let's see what else we got going on here. You want to take uh, you want to take a couple questions?
0: Yeah, we'll jump into some questions tonight. Uh, before we do that, we'll thank our friends uh, at Congruity. Matt Lewis and his team have been uh, great for us and would only serve to optimize your business. Uh, Congruity is highly customized HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce business risk. Uh, Congruity's HR and compliance solutions are designed to maximize employee productivity, improve employee relations, and reduce employer risk associated with personnel administration. Contact Matt at eight four four two four seven forty one hundred. 247 Again, eight four four two four seven. 247 4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com.
1: All right. So, most questions come from our Patreon. You can also email us, Knowlescast at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at Nolcast. Andrew wants to know Could this possibly be the beginning of the end for Clemson's reign? Clemson seems to, by and large, be getting destroyed in the press. And that's sort of how uh, the end started for Fort State. Maybe I'm just grasping for any hope here, uh, but how will this affect recruiting? If you could definitely make the pitch that they care for the well being of their student athletes, while Clemson only cares. About what's best for Clemson. Uh, that's assuming we are actually going after kids that Clemson wants. Uh and that's a frowny face at the end of that. So he, he Andrew's in on the joke.
0: <laughs> the sad acceptance that no, there is not a whole lot of crossover there. Yeah, Andrew. You know, ultimately we won't we won't know the beginning of the end for for Clemson's dynasty here. It will uh certainly probably coincide with some of these assistant coaches leaving and, and Dabo having to deal with Uh, change and and hiring people. And, um, you know, (laughs) I may be critical of certain aspects, but you certainly have to uh, admit that the culture is very strong there uh, right now. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see how they deal with turnover and staff defections. And um, it didn't necessarily happen with Brad Scott, but you you get the feeling that when one of these guys leaves, they're going to grab, you know, a decent swath of that program and, and take them with them. Doesn't mean that Clemson's going to be left, uh, you know, weaponless or is going to fall off the side of the mountain. But until you see some kind of large defection, I don't even know if that's the right word, but until you see a coordinator leave and, you know, be able to offer four or five, six guys opportunities that are better than that of which they're getting at Clemson right now, uh, I think Clemson's going to keep on being Clemson for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. Davos, when he's made a whole lot of comments, and if those aren't, you know, things that end up hurting him i strongly doubt that this will unless the pandemic lasts a heck of a lot longer than anybody thinks it's gonna last uh santosh right reflecting on the espn article on fsu's downfall would you trade the 2013 national championship for more winning seasons and unbroken bowl streak and a couple more ac championship slash playoff appearances thrown in let's say the clock on this run starts
0: in 2017 i no, can't do it flags fly forever yeah, there's nothing that I trade a national championship for. And <clears throat> both in the fact that flags fly forever and national championships are national championships. But um, even as downtrodden as this program is, you know, one of the biggest selling points is that it can point to seven years ago and and show a national championship. And, you know, showing a couple of wins in orange bowls or other things like that are not the same. Uh one of the greatest gifts that that Jimbo gave this program is the uh ability. For people to go out there and say that it's not just Bobby Bowden, it's not just a, a Bobby Bowden trick that uh, lets Florida State be the you know one of the more dominant programs in the sport. So uh, there is nothing you know absent more national championships uh, that you're going to be able to get me to uh, to trade a, a natty for. And and Santosh, it's a it's a good question. Uh, I'm not you know degrading it, but uh, no, nothing nothing is given. You know, 2013 is one of the best teams to ever play the sport. I'm not trading that for anything. Completely agree.
1: Okay, uh, let's let's keep buzzing through these. Uh, Marat, what can your listeners do to help FSU raise funds? How much is needed for the football program? I would contact your your, your booster rep. I mean, they're 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 all over Twitter. You, you can just you know call FSU boosters if if you're interested in in helping to donate. If you want to talk about donating to a special project, you're able to do that and earmark the money for that. Um, you know, and then honestly. If you want to help FSU raise money after you, after you donate again, keyword here after brag about it, not, not in the, not in a jerk kind of way, but just in a, Hey, I, I donated to, to FSU football here. I, you know, this is something I'm, I'm donating to, you know, look at me. I, I supported and, and you know, I, I, I did this, check this out. That's something that works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did a podcast, uh, maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago. I have a hard time remembering, but, uh, If you're not, uh, if you listen to this program and you listen to this program with routine and you're not at least an iron arrow, uh, give it consideration. You know, we certainly don't get any kickbacks or anything like that. And we're not, uh, trying to do marketing for anybody, but if you're of the type that is emotionally invested to listen to this podcast, to be a Patreon member, to listen to this podcast and the 96 other, uh, Florida state podcasts that are out there at this point in time, then consider being a booster. It's, uh, it's a direct shot into the arm uh, for all the things that are the challenges of Florida State and, and certainly gives them a better idea to uh, to climb the rather steep hill that's in front of them right now. I remember that show.
1: That, 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 was, that was a solid show. You want to take Lee's question here? I feel like we already kind of addressed it.
0: Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just put it out there. Lee's question is, at what point does Dabo take full responsibility for allowing a symptomatic player to continue to practice and then travel with the team? Well, Lee... Uh, I don't get the feeling that that point in time is coming anytime in the near future, uh, based off Dabo's general persona and certainly echoed by his sentiments tonight. So I think you're going to be left waiting for that one. So I, I do kind of wonder. I I
1: don't think that Clemson did this. Like I don't think they practiced a guy who was symptomatic. I I, I take them at their word, right? I my guess is that he probably was not symptomatic. When he finally practiced, Maybe if you if you believe what what you read, seems like they held him out the, those days. He was symptomatic, and then once he tested negative, they they let him you know they, they let him go. I I'm not I'm not one of these Florida State folks who's on the conspiracy side of Clemson knowingly practiced a, a symptomatic player uh, and and just didn't care, right? I think that what we're dealing with here, honestly, is Clemson practiced a guy once he was asymptomatic and testing negative. And then all of a sudden, boom, he pops his positive. And those were more than likely false negatives when, when he had the false negatives. Unless this turns out to be a false positive, which it could, but it's unlikely given the pairing with the symptoms. And then FSU says that's an unacceptable risk for us because we haven't contact traced that thing yet. And we don't know. And you know, Clemson offers to play on Monday. And if she's like, that's really not enough time to figure out the contact trace and, and the spread of this. So we're going to have to decline and let like, you know, Clemson's already had COVID problems. So is Florida State, by the way, just not big enough ones that ended up, you know, shutting down the program. And they had some COVID stuff over the summer for sure. And I think they've had a couple guys. Uh, so I'm not, I, I'm not one of these folks who's thinking Clemson was trying to pull a fast one here. I just think Clemson, like, this is just the reality of trying to play college football in my opinion, in 2020. And I could see why Clemson be pissed. I could definitely see why FSU would be pissed when it was Clemson's own guy who was sick, and then Dabo comes out there and says FSU's ducking the game, essentially. Do you think that they practiced a, a symptomatic kid? From everything I've read, like it
0: seems like nobody, like, nobody
1: is claiming that they did.
0: Yeah. No, I, I don't think they do. I think you just have a difference of opinion in medical personnel, which makes... Dabo's actions all the more just wildly un you know, I have a hard time grasping why he is responding in the manner that he is, uh, but he is, and, you know, no reason for us to deep dive into, uh, you know, Dabo's persona or, or why he's responding that way. But look, Clemson felt comfortable with it. Florida state didn't let's move on. I mean, there's not, you know, institutions are allowed to have difference of opinion with, with how they feel and, if uh, the the league's protocols specifically dictate that each member institution and their medical teams uh, are going to make a decision on what they feel comfortable with. That's the, that's the ultimate protocol. That's what took place. So, okay. I, you know, we don't need to say that administrations duck in the game or uh, all this other cr- crap. It's just uh just kind of ludicrous, but no, I don't, I don't see Davo taking responsibility for anything ever.
1: As to your point about like why would he comment on this? There's been a lot of stuff he comments on that it's like not not don't need to comment on it.
0: You know? Oh yeah, always a favorite subject of mine. Lee asked us to circle back to the topic of Dalvin Cook. Happy to do so, Lee. Uh, let's rewind and talk about Dalvin Cook for a second. He's earning me some money in DFS lately. If Dalvin had the same O line or O line as good as the 2013 to 14 teams for his entirety at Florida State, barring the injury bug that slowed him down. How likely do you think that he rushes for more than 2,000 yards in each of his final two seasons? Unless I'm missing something here,
1: like 100%. He had 1,691 and then 1,765. And we're saying without the injury bug? Hell, even with the same offensive line, just give him the no injury bug, he has a decent chance of eclipsing it. If you give him a much better offensive line, There's no doubt. And, yeah, he's been a beast in fantasy lately. Uh, I'm actually – and I know we have several NOLCast listeners uh, in this league, so I I just want to point out that uh, I have now clinched a
0: first-round bye uh, after this week. So, Uh, Yes, do do dunk on our listeners uh, for your your DFS dominance. Uh, As always, we will thank our friends at Madison Social. Certainly hope you guys had a chance to – to wander over that way if you were in Tallahassee on Saturday uh, in the instant reaction podcast that I did, I talked about, look, there's a, there's a massive economic impact uh, on situations like this. And even if games do get played, you know, year over year numbers are a nasty thing for almost anybody to look at this point, but particularly if you're in the, you know, the hospitality or dining industry. So uh, if you can thank our friends and support them from afar, certainly know that it means an awful lot to us. Uh, If you're going to be in Tallahassee, uh, for any of the remaining uh football game or games or if you uh, are going to be around for basketball or anything else madison social township trolley three great options there in college town and supporters of the null cast since the first time that we pressed record did
1: uh by the way did, did, did i thank you publicly for do, for doing that i thought you did a great job i i know i've already told you privately i just i, I thought you did a really nice job on
0: that Oh no, man! It was so much fun. It was, it was the most enjoyable, uh, you know. Looking back on the the day that was Saturday, it was uh, it was the most enjoyable time that I've had discussing Florida State football in quite a while. So I uh, appreciate it, but trust me, you don't don't need to thank me. Pleasure, pleasure was mine. Uh, next question
1: here uh, comes from Twitter, and many people have asked it: uh, What what kind of scotch were we dealing with? <laughs>
0: So I was uh, I was just sipping easy sipping on a uh, an eighteen year old Bowmore. I'm a big fan of uh, of Islay Scotch in general, and that is normally uh, some of the more peatier options out there. And I uh, I love the smoke, I love the peat, and that is kind of where I tend to tend to go. I uh, I did find
1: a uh, a bottle of Wild Turkey Masters Keep, seventeen uh, year in the back of my liquor cabinet, uh, which, uh, I didn't, I thought I had drank it all. And what turned out to be happened was my wife just once my son was able to open up cabinets, you know, cause he can walk now and he's all reaching for everything. Uh, I think she just kind of shoved everything in there and it was at the very back. And I really didn't know that she had done that. And so I, I was like, man, and then I, I was going around and there's like, wait a second,
0: there's, there's still some juice left. This is, this is cool. <laughs> That is uh, that, and finding twenty dollars in a pair of pockets or in a pair of, you know jeans or pants or something like that is uh, one of the better feelings that's uh, that's out there. Definitely, indeed it is. Uh, you want to take Matt's question? Matt asked, any other impact from the decision to play not play the Clemson game? Feels like Florida State will be negative recruited over this uh, at the. Feels like Florida State will be negative recruited over this, while at the same time using just to show recruits that they come first. Which of these arguments is going to hold water on the recruiting trail? So I, I actually think that uh, there will not be that many more negative impacts if, if the
1: game is made up. Uh, I'm sure Clemson will try to run up a whole lot of points. However, Dabo is very much known for trying to rest his guys before the playoff run and, and that type of thing. So I, I bet you'll see some Clemson backups fairly early in that game. I don't, I don't think you're going to get negatively recruited for it. I also don't think that the Norvell cares about his player safety thing is going to be that big of a sale. Uh, a sell rather in, you know, on, on the recruiting circuit. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I mean, uh, Hopefully the, the loss revenue is able to be made up if they're able to play this game in December, who knows, maybe by that time we'll be able to have a hundred percent capacity or something like that. And they'll be able, able to sell even more tickets. And then the Clemson coach can make up the, a, a ski uh, theory that, uh, FSU delayed the game in order to be able to sell more tickets later on. But, uh, uh, December game in Doak, man, probably pretty nice weather. Uh, not not going to lie. That's some Chamber of Commerce type stuff uh, right there. He also has an interesting one. Uh, he said, what are your picks for where the opt-outs and season injuries will go next year? FSU, other school, or pro? So let's think about this. Marvin Wilson, pro. James Blackman, other school, I think quite obviously.
0: Tamari and Terry, Pro. I think, he, I think he's joined with an agency group at this point, if I remember correctly, so that somewhat limits uh, or gives us an idea as to his direction. I'll put it that way. Here's an interesting one for you. Corey Durden. Yeah, no, I had a feeling that was the name that was coming. I think if he goes to an ACC school, he's not playing, unless it's a Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, maybe one of the Mississippi schools. Uh, I could see him ending up at Carolina, actually, depending on – what what their structure looks like? I, I I could see that. My my thought is no, like South Carolina for just for me to
1: be clear. I think some teams might just be so short, like like you know, so shorthanded defensive line wise that they take a shot on him. I mean, what, what's what's the worst that happens? He doesn't doesn't play for. He doesn't turn out, and and you you only waste a spot for one year. So I I might be a little bit higher on where he could go, just because he has flashed ability in the past. Not not this year. Certainly didn't have a. He didn't have a strong year.
0: No, I mean, he certainly has played well. Um, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell exactly. I, I had uh, a friend of mine who coaches defensive line, look at his tape. I think I've referenced this. And uh, his opinion of him was that basically he had fallen in love with his, you know, his PFF grade and, and was trying to rush the passer with almost every snap. Now, maybe that's a guy who's just carrying more of an injury than some were aware of and didn't quite have the the power to drive off the ball uh, and and tried to play a little bit more of a finesse game than he had historically. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, Durden, if he's, if he's healthy, if he's able to recover, recuperate, and he's a decent player and he could play a role for somebody. Uh, I don't, I think, uh, you know, like, it's like there are with a lot of players where he sees his, his level of game and where his level of game has been recently uh, are, there's a big, big, deep chasm there. And uh, if maybe that, that shrinks a little bit, then he'd have more options than I'm originally giving him credit for. That's, that seems fair to me.
1: Um, are we missing anybody else here? Uh, uh, opt-outs and, and, and injuries What was the
0: question. Uh, Bolden is declared for Jackson State, is that right? Yes. Yeah, he's going to go play with Dion. Good for him. It wouldn't shock me if James didn't end up there, actually. Huh. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody else that we're missing unless I'm – I bet you
1: USF has some interest in James.
0: No, oh, that would be a good fit.
1: I, I don't know if they have. I don't know if they have interest in him, or excuse me, if he has interest in them. Their offensive line situation is uh, like much
0: worse than FSU's has <laughs> yeah, ever been. James, James, don't do it to yourself, man. No. I mean, you know, it might not have ended well, but uh, I I don't want you, you know, being chalk outlined for the entirety of your career. So they had to cancel their game against Navy, uh, which you know
1: was unfortunate, obviously due to COVID. Um, But dude, they had GAs and student assistants and like office personnel out there involved in practice, like putting on pads.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I'm serious. Like they only had,
1: I believe you. They only had two healthy cornerbacks, and I was like, I'm gonna tuck this information away because I I I bet Navy, and then the game got canceled. Then I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and play UCF here Uh, because UCF, if you only have two cornerbacks a week ago. Uh that's a problem because is gonna run a lot of four wide and they're pretty good at throwing the ball around. So yeah, James, don't go to USF
0: unless you really want to, but still don't do that. I think that's all the questions, right? Yeah, I think that is all the questions for uh for tonight. So always enjoy it. We'll be able to get back to a uh any of these podcasts, but uh we'll we'll turn our focus a little bit more to Virginia. Uh, later on in the week for the uh, remaining two, maybe three games that Florida State has here. Uh, but uh, enjoyed it. Appreciate all the questions. Uh, know that you guys can continue to submit them over the course of the week, and we will do our best to get to them. Uh, for myself, for Bud, for everybody associated with the NOLcast, Uh thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our Patreons. If you get a chance to give us a five-star review, uh, know that it is uh, overly... Are, are wildly important for something as subjective as that, but it is what it is, and it's wildly appreciated from us.
1: Till next time, five stars. See y'all. This has been the Knollcast. The Knollcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knolls.